0: Good morning church Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we're thankful for the love that you bring, oh God. It's a love that will never let me go. Jesus, 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 how wonderful is the love of our Savior. like you church. I
1: a God that is above all. Amen. You are above all. You are the creator of all. You are the bright and morning star, everlasting father, the prince of peace, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. You are Jesus. You are Jesus. and thankful for this church, Lord, for the theme is that we exist to extend hope and wholeness to a broken humanity. And Lord, I pray that we do that. As these body of believers gather in this room, there's a dying world outside these four walls. And I'm thankful for the power that you have given us, the anointing, the challenge. You are the one who brings comfort and peace. And healing, and God, I pray that you use us. I'm thankful for this building, oh God, this church that is a beacon in the night that people can run to and take refuge. Lord, I'm thankful that we are your children, that we are called your own. Thankful for salvation, for what you did on the cross. We're thankful for life. We love you. I pray right now, Father, that you open our ears to hear, open our minds to understand, but more importantly, may we open our hearts to receive your word. Anoint your servant this morning. We're grateful. We're thankful. We're humbled. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Turn to one next to you and say, he is. Amen.
2: good morning and good morning to the rest of you <laughs> good to see you all here this morning we have a wonderful opportunity this morning that we do uh, frequently lately there are several ways to grow the church and one is by evangelism the other is by um, children being born and so we're going to celebrate Hadley Joe Majeris as Stephen and Brianna come to the platform How many of you believe that children really are a gift from God?
1: Amen, amen, amen.
2: And I know that you're fully aware that what we do this morning doesn't place a child into the kingdom. It is the declaration of the parents that they intend to raise this child for the glory of God. And scripture is filled with examples of that very thing happening as parents brought their children to God and believed for God's oversight and care scripture commands parents to teach their children about the lord jesus christ which is so much more than telling a story it's living a life deuteronomy 6 4 to 7 hero israel the lord our god is one love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength these commandments that i give you today are to be upon your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up did a little research on the name hadley and hadley's a a beautiful name understanding that it's history it means a field full of heather flowers so i want you to picture this field full of flowers and joe hadley joe means graciousness of god what a beautiful picture for a young life a field full of the blessing and grace of god and our prayer is That the one who identified himself as the lily of the valley as the rose of Sharon who said to watch the lilies because they don't toil but they're arrayed in a way that even Solomon couldn't compete with. The one who identifies himself as that has promised to watch over Hadley Joe marked with the grace of God in a field full of flowers. For her to fulfill her God-given potential and God-given calling, it's your privilege as parents to teach her early to fear the Lord, to watch over her education that she be not led astray, to direct her youthful mind to the Holy Scriptures and to restrain her from evil associations and habits and to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So I have some questions for you. Do you recognize this child as a gift from God and give heartfelt thanks for God's blessing? Do you submit yourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and commit yourselves to live godly and consistent lives before your child? And do you promise by God's help and in partnership with the church to provide Hadley a Christian home of love and peace, to raise her in the truth of the word of God, and to encourage her to trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Going to ask the church to stand, and we together make a commitment to every family and every child that's part of Berean Church. Your response in just a moment is, we will. Please say it loudly with conviction. Yes. I now ask you the congregation, will you commit yourselves as the body of Christ to support and encourage Stephen and Brianna as they endeavor to fulfill their responsibilities to their daughter and to assist Hadley by nurturing her growth towards spiritual maturity? Yes. We will. So then, in as As you have promised before God in this congregation to dedicate this child to God, and dedicate yourselves to the task of rearing this child for God, I now charge you to give yourselves wholeheartedly to this task, this sacred obligation with wisdom, patience, and devotion. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have a few things to commemorate this morning a bible for hadley that i'm sure she'll want to read this afternoon (laughs) we have a certificate commemorating this morning a letter for you as parents and a letter for hadley on her 13th birthday to remind her of this special day and then flowers the white carnation that represents the mother's love the white rose the innocence of a new life and the red carnation the priesthood of the father over the household so I'll give this to whichever one of you has a free hand all right would you stretch your hand toward them as we pray together Lord Jesus we love you and we thank you for this family we thank you for their heart and passion to dedicate their children to the God to God and their family to you I pray God that your anointing and wisdom would abide upon them that you'll give them the insights that they need as parents and Lord for this young life for little Hadley God, that your hand would be on her every day of her life, that she will early come to know you, that she'll protect her from the snares and traps and devices of the enemy, and that her entire life will be a life marked with your blessing and your favor. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement said? Amen. Amen. Express your appreciation this morning. Amen. God bless you. We'll do the air handshake. All right. God bless. And you can be seated, please enjoy this video. We are living in the hope of the resurrection. We began a series last Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, titled Love Reigns, and we believe that love should reign over every part of our lives. What a great Sunday it was last week. The presence of God was here, blessing of God rained down on this place when 20-plus individuals made first-time commitments to their life to Jesus Christ. That's why we gather and to encourage them along the way. I really do believe there's a spiritual tide rising. Yesterday, we had a celebration of life remembering Jean Brown. And during the altar call at the end of the message, there were five adults that raised their hand to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. There's a spiritual tide that's rising. But you know it's not enough to be a C&E Christian. How many know what a C&E Christian is? Anybody? C&E is Christmas and Easter Christians. You've got to be more than that. There's a phrase that has nothing to do with Resurrection Sunday in Acts where it talks about what they were intending after Easter. And I love the Sunday after Easter as much as I love the Sunday of Easter as we gather together and celebrate again the goodness of our God. So I want to ask this morning, and I'm not sure if everyone can respond to this, but how many of you have a past? (laughs) Everybody has one, right? Everybody has a past. It's kind of like an opinion. Everyone has one of those, too. But what do we do with our past? How do we handle our past? And how does love reign in our daily lives? We talked last Sunday that love reigns over death, hell, and the grave. And so what that means is that as believers to be healthy and reach the world around us, we need to let the love of God reign over our past. I'm sure that every one of us would or should be willing to admit that there is something in our past that we are less than proud of. Let me see your hands. Hold up your neighbor's hand. If you know something about them, they're not admitting to. We all have those. I'll never forget some years ago, there's a couple that came in for marriage counseling and I could tell you all kinds of stories about what happens when people come in for marriage counseling, but this couple was in a, a mess and God really began to work in their life, really did. And they got back together and things seemed to get some traction. And following these several counseling sessions and God's grace being extended toward them, we were at a church family fellowship. The family in the church invited some people over and asked us to come. And this couple walked up to Carol and I and they said, Pastor, you know all the skeletons in our past. We want to know what skeletons are in your closet." And my answer to that is the only one that brings that up anymore is the devil. Sorry, but I'm not unpacking my closet for somebody who's liable to use it for a negative way. We all have things there, right? Things that we might be embarrassed by or ashamed of that we'd rather not talk about. And the problem is that some people get trapped by their past. They're not ever able to move on either because they won't forget it or others won't let them forget. And by forgetting, I don't mean ignoring it, but dealing with it in a way that you can put it aside really in your toolkit and use it for God's glory. Now, I can't tell you how to make other people back off, but I can tell you that there's a way for your past to become a strength, those negative things to become a strength and not a weakness the Bible says to us in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 if any man be in Christ he is a new creature all things are passed away and all things are become new so we need to explore that what does it really mean to be a new creature Paul uses the phrase in Christ nearly 216 times somewhere in that neighborhood 216 times in his epistles It's a theme that runs through everything that he teaches and talks about. What does it mean to be in Christ? Well, if you're in Christ, we understand that our present is in him, but we also need to understand that our past is in him and our future is in him, and how we deal with that makes all the difference in the world. What is the relationship between the love of God and our past? And this morning... If there is that haunting issue in your past, I have a single focused prayer that God is going to liberate someone this morning from a past that has enslaved them to free them to fulfill God's calling on their life. So let's take that first thought. Your past does not need to haunt you. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Point to someone that that applies to. (laughs) Yeah, you could point it to yourself or someone else. We've all sinned, right? Come on, help me this morning. Let's put the halos down and let's just be real and talk about real life. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we need the gospel message. And I don't care how clean you are right now, you haven't always been clean. There have always been issues that you've had to deal with. Things that we're ashamed of, embarrassed by, would like to forget. And I know full well that some decisions can't be undone, some things can't be fixed. How many are here to what I'm saying this morning? You can make choices that you can't repair. But that doesn't mean you have to live in slavery to that for the rest of your life. You have to deal with those decisions. Guilt can be used by the devil against us, and it can also be used by, by people in our lives that say they care about us. A young man who was living in Florida called his mother to ask how she was doing. She said, not so good. I've been really, really weak. Son was concerned, and he said, Mom, why are you so weak? And she said, because I haven't eaten in 38 days. Mom, why have you not eaten in 38 days? She said, because I didn't want my mouth filled with food when you called. Yeah, I'll let that settle in for a minute. (laughs) Hadn't called in 38 days. People can use guilt. How many have ever been manipulated by guilt? Maybe even by a parent, spouse, a sibling, someone. I'm not talking about those games. I'm talking about the other things that tend to haunt us. Pontius Pilate. We know the story about Pontius Pilate, that he adjudicated the case of Jesus Christ. And finally, when he asked, who should I set free, Barabbas or Jesus? And they called out Barabbas, What did Pilate do? He washed his hands of the matter as though that would free him or absolve him of his responsibility. Well, tradition tells us that he went back to Rome to report to the Roman Empire what had taken place. And then tradition says that Pilate went from there on to Switzerland, just outside of a city that we know today as Lucerne. There he was filled with grief, remorse, and guilt over what happened, went up to a tall mountain just outside of the city, and jumped off the mountain to his death. The name of that mountain is Mount Pilatus, named after Pilate. And the legend says, now stay with me, the legend says that you can go on top of that mountain and hear the ghost of Pilate moaning and groaning, trying to wash his hands of his guilt. Okay, there are no ghosts (laughs) on the mountain. That isn't what's happening. But I will tell you that there are people who have chosen to end their life rather than to deal with their past. And there are some people who do hear the moaning and groaning Of their guilt every day that they arise we see that clearly in the life of Judas Iscariot who sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and then because of that guilt went outside the city and hung himself because he was overwhelmed by the remorse this isn't a light matter it's not a small matter. It's a matter that many deal with and we have to kind of ignore in the church world, don't we? Because we come on Sunday with our smiles and our testimony of Jesus and only you know how many nights you wake up with that cold sweat and that darkness foreboding over you or driving through the day or going about business and out of nowhere that specter rises up and taunts you and mocks you, particularly in moments when God wants to use you for his purposes. How many times have I heard people say, I had an opportunity to share my faith, but I didn't feel worthy. I'm not worthy to be able to talk about what Jesus has done because of the way that I lived or the mistakes that I've made. It doesn't have to be that way. Some people think that they're cursed. They think bad things keep happening to them because of their sins. Well, I'm sorry. I'm just jinxed. I'm just cursed. Bad things happen. I'm just jinxed. And nowhere is that any more prevalent than the sports world. I won't ask how many of you wear your favorite socks on game day. How many of you wear your favorite shirt? And you think that if you wear your socks in your living room watching that game, it will help your team win. Well, I hate to break it to you, but you don't jinx them or help them. It's said that athletes do not want their picture to be on the cover of sports illustrated because there's a series of athletes who who felt jinxed by that and bad things happen and if you're a fan of video games madden's football uh series they're told that if your picture is on the cover of that video game and there's a whole list of things to back that up something bad's going to happen you'll be jinxed and probably the greatest one of all that cub fans are there any cub fans in the room I got two or three Cub fans. Yeah, then you know the jinx of Billy Goat, the Billy Goat curse, and the reason that the Cubs won 107 years without winning a World Series is because they kicked the guy who owned Billy Goat Tavern out with his goat and said he couldn't come and he cursed them. Listen, the world looks for reasons to blame their failure, their guilt on, say, it's not my fault. It's a goat. It's not my fault. It's, it's a statue. It's not my fault. It's some jinx. You have to understand this morning that there are no curses on the people of God. Jinxes don't exist. That's not how the spiritual world functions. And the way to deal with your past is to quit blaming your present on your past and take ownership for the day that you're living in. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Your past doesn't have to haunt you. Here's a verse that I want you to think about. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, it's really great that it doesn't say as far as the north is from the south. Because if you go around our planet, you can only go halfway around the planet north before you turn and start going south. North and south meet at the poles. But if you take off today and travel east on the planet, do you know what'll happen? you'll go around it again and again and again and you will never stop going east. And if you go west, you'll go again and again and again and never stop going west because east and west never meet. The picture that is being portrayed for us in the Old Testament is that he has removed our transgressions as far from us as the east is from the west. Now, I felt like God gave me a new insight to this Scripture, and I haven't found it anywhere else, which does make it a bit dangerous. But I was pondering, meditating over that scripture, and I felt like God said, are you with, how many are with me right now? You need to get what I'm going to say right here. He didn't say, I have removed your guilt from you as far as the east is from the west. What did he say? He said, I've removed the source of your guilt from you. I haven't just removed your guilt, a feeling that you deal with. I have removed your trans." gression so that moment that you experienced embarrassment and shame and did the wrong thing here's what God wants to do if you are in Christ you are a new creation old things are passed away they're dead all things are made new and that transgression that haunts you if you give your life to Jesus he removes it from you what does that mean you don't ever have to you don't ever have to repeat it again you don't have to have fault pray to it again. You don't have to live in guilt over that again because he surgically, spiritually cut that out of you and threw it to the east and threw it to the west and it never has to impact you again. That's the glory of the gospel. Now I do believe in dealing with human beings this next maxim is true. The best indicator of future performance is past behavior. I believe that the best indicator of future performance is past behavior. What does that mean? It means if you lied to me yesterday, it's likely you will lie to me tomorrow. If you cheated yesterday, it's likely you will cheat tomorrow. If you did something inappropriate yesterday, it's likely you'll do something inappropriate tomorrow. That's also true about good things. If you told the truth yesterday, it's likely I can trust you tomorrow. That the best predictor of future performance is past behavior, unless there's a divine intervention. What we don't need is therapy. I'm not against therapy. (laughs) We could all use some therapy. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the hand of man can't cure a spiritual problem. What has to happen is, are you here? I'm feeling the presence of God in there. I hope you're getting this moment of revelation for somebody's life right now. That thing that you did isn't just forgiven. Are you hearing me this morning? It isn't just forgiven. He removed it from you. It is gone. It's no longer part of you. Your past does not define who you are in the present. The cross defines who you are. The love of God defines who you are. Redemption defines who you are. And you can break that cycle of failure in the past if you quit blaming it on your circumstances and accept the provision at Calvary. We can be made new. Hallelujah. It doesn't have to haunt you. You can be made free from it. His love can reign over your past. Now, second, When you understand that your past can serve to help you it can actually serve to help you in joshua chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 god said to the nation of israel go over before the ark of the lord your god into the middle of the jordan each of you is to take a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark and covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off These stones are to be a memorial to the people of God, the people of Israel forever. They experienced a tremendous miracle when they crossed the Jordan River and God said, I don't want you to ever forget what I've done for you. Now, was their life filled with victory all along the way? Not at all. They had failures all along the way, but there was a moment when God intervened and provided for them supernaturally to enter into the promised land. And when that happened, And they said, God said, build an altar there, put some stones there. And when your children ask, you can tell them this is when God delivered us and was faithful. So obviously, isn't it obvious that the positive things in our life should be remembered for benefit to strengthen us and encourage us? To remember how he has helped us, how he has liberated us, how he delivered us, how he has set us free. How many of you have a testimony of God's liberating power you could share this morning? Seven. The rest of you need to meet Jesus. Let me try that again. How many of you have a testimony? Right now I could tell you when God met me and he did a miracle in my life and I go back to those. One of my favorite altars in the Old Testament is Ebenezer. They built an altar to have this inscription, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Even if you don't like it, that is just fun to say. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us, the southern preacher would say. To remember those times, they can be a strength to you. They can help you. Hitherto, before this, God has been our Helper. The victories, the blessings, and the successes are worth remembering. Positive memorials can motivate us as long as they don't seduce us. Your victory yesterday doesn't guarantee your victory tomorrow. What do you need to remember? You need to remember when you look at those stones that we didn't do this by creativity, we didn't do this by military might, we didn't do this in our strength. Remember, God provided for us. And the same way you won the victory yesterday, you'll win it tomorrow. And so the victories of your past, hear me this morning, you need to be careful that they don't seduce you, but that they cause you to stay surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, that those victories will be won in the same way. It's really easy after you've experienced some of the victories to think that you've got this down. Now, I don't know if you're a sports fan or not, But in the NCAA basketball tournament, Gonzaga was picked by many to win. And it was clear from the beginning that Baylor had their number. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Do you know what motivated Baylor? One of the things that motivated Baylor is they discovered that Gonzaga or Gonzaga or Gonzaga (laughs) had already ordered all of their supplies for a great celebration before the game had even started. They had cases of champagne on the way. Do you know what that was? They felt like their undefeated season guaranteed a win, but their their arrogant expectation didn't supersede the ability of another team to say, not today, Zerg. <laughs> Not today, Zerg. You have to play the same game to win that you played the previous day to win. Your win yesterday, hear me, doesn't guarantee your win today. Don't let it seduce you. Remember how you got there. And in like fashion, deal with your past negative experiences in a similar way. Negative experiences can likewise be a source of strength. What did Jesus say to the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation? He doesn't sugarcoat the story, but he says to them, remember, I've somewhat against you because you left your first love. And I, this is a passion of mine to remind people, you don't lose your first love. You don't lose your love for Jesus, you leave it. You've left your first love. Well, what should we do? And he says, here's where you start. Remember from whence you have fallen. How do I know where I am today? Look where you've been. And if you were in a better place five years ago than you are today, you need to go back and reclaim that ground. If you prayed more, if you sought God more, if you're more generous, if you're more uh, evangelistic, remember where you used to be and get back there. If you can remember those victories, they can motivate you in the present. But what about my failures? repent and do the first things over. What do you do with those failures? Well, hopefully they help you chart a new course. And if they did chart a new course, it will protect you from falling again. If you can remember what paved the way or paved the way for your victory, then you can also remember what contributed to your failure and chart a course with the help of Jesus Christ that that... Behavior isn't repeated again. It can help you. It can strengthen you to remember where you failed and what, that he met you there, that he met you there. That can be a source of tremendous strength. When I was at the end of my rope, when I had failed, when I had nowhere to go, when I had given up, when I had done wrong, what happened? He met me there. He was there to strengthen me and build me up. You see, this tension of remembering and forgetting is really, really difficult. In one place, Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forth to those things that are before. Any memory that demotivates you should be put away. You can't live on yesterday's success and you can't wallow in yesterday's failure. But what you can do is look back to those moments and say, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. When we were without finances, God came through. When we needed help and healing, he was there. But I can also take you to the places where I was broken, where I failed, where I did the wrong thing, where I embarrassed myself and others. And in that moment, what did he do? He met me there. Can anybody testify to that? Come on, testify to that? He met me, not just in my successes, but he met me in my failure. Your past can serve to help you. We tend to remember the wrong things and forget the wrong things. How we handle it is our choice. He will use your weaknesses to strengthen you. Likewise, our successes and some of your wounds can be the place of the greatest victory. If you'll remember not how bad your failure was, but how majestic His grace is, he met me there. How many are hearing me this morning? He met me there. Your past can serve to help you. And if, if you can get to a place that you're not haunted by your past and you're letting your past help you, this becomes the most important part. Your past can be used to heal others. It can be used to heal others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. What does it mean to be comforted by God? It means that he heals and restores in our troubles of every kind, think about how he has helped you. People who have never suffered. People who have never had any pain that they admit to. Plastic people with pasted-on smiles will never do the work of the kingdom. Can you imagine going in to see a pastor for counseling? And you are with dealing with a marriage issue? And he just looks at you and says, I I can't relate. Our marriage has just been perfect. I don't know what's wrong with you. People don't want help from perfect people. They want help from redeemed people. (sighs) Someone who can say, our circumstances may have been different And I'm not suggesting if you're going to help someone, you tell them all of your story. It is possible to share too much. But to say, I've had my dark places, I've had my broken pieces, and I know I've met a God who can reach you in your pain and pull you out. How do you know that? Because I've been there. Some of you have walked the road of physical disease and suffering and have come through that with a tremendous testimony and you can stand by someone's side and say in the midst of radiation and chemotherapy and suffering and pain, when others have looked at me askance, I'm telling you that in the darkest of my night, he is there. Others of you can talk about when there was no money in the account and you didn't know what to do and you're faithful with your tithe, you can say, I'm going to tell you that in your moment of desperation, he will meet you there others of you can say my wife and i had gotten to a place we couldn't even be in the same room together but after a period of time and seeking god and getting some help we love each other more today than we ever have in our life your pain and suffering that has been comforted by the power of the holy spirit has been given you so that you can provide healing to others who are going through the same struggles call in the middle of the night three in the morning our son is in treatment for cancer and his bladder is blocked and nothing they can do i get a call from my son i don't know what to say to him. what am i going to do and parents you know when when there's nothing you can do that desperation that you feel oh God, if I could do something I would i can 't do a thing that desperation, but I know there 's a God in heaven, and I prayed with my son, Carol, and I prayed with our son on the phone, and within i won 't give you the gory details if you want to know afterwards i 'll tell you it 's not not appropriate for this moment except to tell you that the way we prayed was exactly the way that God responded and testified. Now hear me carefully, testified to that young boy that Jesus was real and would walk with him. Do you know what else that did when he came to the valley of the shadow of death? He didn't let go of the hand of Jesus because Jesus had been with him all along the journey. Is there anybody in the house now? I'm telling you that when you've been comforted by God, he will give you a comfort that you can share with others and your struggle can be used to heal. Heal others now please please do not think for a moment that you should create a failure so you can minister to somebody I think I'll go get wasted tonight at a bar so I can reach alcoholics no you are a fool come on help me now don't leave me up here all alone I had a young man call me who was in the middle of an immoral homosexual relationship. Someone had referred him to me. We're talking on the phone, and he said, you know, I'm just so thankful to know that God's got a plan for me on the other side of this, and God's going to use me to reach the nations. And I said, stop right there, pal. The only thing you've got promised right now is hell. You don't have a ministry to talk about while you're still struggling in your sin. The thing you ought to be talking about is, I believe in a Jesus who can redeem me and set me free, and then he'll determine the path ahead of you. You can't can't bank or excuse or justify your failure so that God can use it. But once you have honestly and genuinely repented and he has restored you and given you new life, out of that you can say, I've met a God who comforts in the darkest of night. That's why the songwriter could write, When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, or when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. Do you know what it gives that song power? Power. It's because the man who wrote it stood on a ship receiving word that his wife and children had died and in that moment he said whether it's peace like a river or overwhelming sorrow it is still well with my soul how many believers have been strengthened over the years by the song and the story because someone who is comforted by God in their sorrow and pain didn't blame him, didn't excuse themselves, didn't look for justification, simply said God I trust you and out of that trust God brings comfort and out of that comfort brings ministry that can touch and help and heal and strengthen people all around you. So don't count on it in the middle of your struggle it will not help you till you get out of your struggle then when you come out of your struggle don't bury it don't hide it don't pretend that your halo is perfectly placed at all times but to say in the darkness of my night Jesus met me there and God wants to use that to comfort others, to help and strengthen. I, can I just wonder for a minute? Is it all right if I just wonder for a minute? I can't prove this. I've never had this thought before. It probably isn't true. But I'm just gonna wonder a minute. I'm imagining right now that I'm an author and I'm gonna take literary license. But somehow this head uh, filled with an idea. An idea popped into my head. And I don't know why I started thinking about this, but I thought about what motivated the Good Samaritan to help that beaten up guy by the side of the road? What motivated him? Priest and Levite walked by. And I thought, well, what if? What if there was a day prior to this that that Good Samaritan had been on that same road? What if he had met similar robbers? And what if someone had beaten him and left him for dead? That's not good exposition. I'm just saying, what if, to illustrate the story, what if? that had happened there'd be a reason that he stopped that day the priest apparently had never experienced that pain the Levite may never have experienced the need of someone to help but I kind of have a sneaking suspicion that perhaps the reason the good Samaritan was so motivated to stop is because somewhere along the journey in his life, he was out of resources, and somebody met him there. It Could have been. It could have been doesn't have to be but it could have been what I'll tell you I know to be true is that when God has met you and you use it right it will motivate you to help others who are suffering in the way that you've suffered to let them know and to be able to say I will pay whatever it takes to help you get out of here because I once was lost I once was blind I once was broken maybe just maybe but I know that when you have been broken, out of your pain, you can help others. There's a really interesting verse in John chapter 20. (laughs) On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, they're gathered together in fear, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And doesn't tell us that they experienced peace in that moment. In fact, if I were gathering for fear of the Jews and Jesus appeared in the room, I'm probably unconscious on the floor. How did this happen? When were they overjoyed? What transitioned them from being afraid to being overjoyed? What put them in a place where they really did believe it was Jesus that had appeared there? You you would think they would recognize him. You would think they would know him, that his presence in the room would give them peace. But the Bible is very specific. After he said this, he showed him his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. When he showed them his scars, they believed That's a message by itself. When he showed them his scars, there's a world that needs to see our scars, and they'll believe the Lord if we're honest enough. Now, if your scars are still raw, don't show them. We don't want to see them the blood and the gore. But when they're healed, let me tell you some of my story. Don't be afraid to show your scars. Your past doesn't have to haunt you. Your past can serve to help you. And your past can be used to heal others. That's what the redeeming power of Jesus does. And that's what it means to let God's love reign over your past. Pastor Nathan, you come, heads bowed, eyes closed, please, no one looking around. I want a very specific, I have a very specific altar call this morning. Very specific altar call. With no one looking around, please. And this may be uncomfortable, but I, it's just what I feel like we should do this morning. Whether you're watching online in the North Chapel here in the main auditorium, No one needs to know this morning what the issue is. But if there is a ghost of pain, an embarrassment, a suffering, a sorrow, a wound in your past that keeps you bound, this is a day for liberation with no one looking around. If that is where you are and you need deliverance from something in your past that you can't get free of, the healing Jesus is here in the room. I'm going to ask you to do something that takes a lot of courage and strength, but to simply stand and say, today I'm severing that bondage with the help of Jesus. If that's you, would you just stand up, please, quickly. I know you're in the room. Thank you. Thank you. You need to stand up. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you in the balcony. I see you in the balcony. Thank you. Stay standing just for a minute. Stay standing. This is a moment of God's blessing and anointing. The Holy Spirit doesn't just break the yoke. He destroys the yoke of bondage. Anyone else? I want to wait just a moment. Just a moment. God's going to liberate you from that in just a moment. With the rest of you seated, I want you just to stretch a hand in love towards someone who's standing right now. Stretch a hand toward them. Jesus, I ask by the power of the Holy Spirit for for your liberating grace to fill this room you are the god who removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west i ask for a miracle of your liberating power right now this past that has judged them and haunted them and criticized them as of today will become a strength that you will use to help them and to heal the lives of others. I pray God for a liberating touch from heaven right now, supernaturally in this room. I break those chains in the name of Jesus. I prophesy health and healing over them in the name of Jesus. Freedom and liberty and joy in the Holy Spirit that out of the place of pain and suffering will come new life and joy and health let them show their scars that people will be overjoyed in the presence of Jesus and if you believe that this morning want everyone on your feet let's stand and let's take a moment to magnify Jesus together let his love reign over your past let his love reign let's love the Lord together
0: When peace alike like a river, a tent-
2: destroy you if you don't let Jesus redeem it but once he's redeemed it use it as a tool for the glory of God amen if you're glad that his love can reign over your past let me hear your hands this morning his love reigns it is well with
3: my soul